Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 89 of the Becoming Human podcast. This episode showcases my pal Neil McClure. Neil is a landscape and freelance photographer on the East Coast. Neil loves researching, exploring places, capturing them, and then coming home to lament and edit his work. Artists like Neil fascinate me. They lead these unconventional lives, pursuing what captivates their interest and detailing it to share a perspective with other people. Also, I love the unconventional lifestyle that art, artists, entrepreneurs, and just self-employed individuals have. Neil, for example, loves travel, but not all the time. And because of that, it'll shape what kind of photographer he becomes. If you guys listened to the previous episode um, that I did with uh, uh, Rockus, Scott Rockus, where he's a, he travels every day out of the year, and that changes the kind of photographer and artist that he is. Spending 16 hours straight trying to photograph a beautiful backcountry event. And then there's Neil, you know, spending your time traveling the world um, here and there throughout the year and capturing the moments along the way. I love it because for myself, I don't really want to compromise on my lifestyle. I like the process of figuring out who I am and what I enjoy and trying to make that my life with as little compromise as possible. In this episode, Neil and I discuss one of my favorite topics, the path to mastering a discipline and earning an income off of that discipline. To see some of Neil's incredible photography, you can check out his website, neilmcclure.com and Instagram at neilmcclure. I'll leave all those links in the show notes, and you can even find some of the books that were mentioned in the podcast. If you'd like to... support the show please rate review on itunes or google play wherever you happen to listen to this and you can pick up some merch off the website spring's coming why not pick up a fresh hat to keep the sun out of your eyes to check out some more of the merch or find out more about the podcast links to neil stuff you can head over to becominghumanpodcast.com i'm gonna play you in with useful jenkins waiting to die hope you guys enjoy this wide-ranging conversation on landscape photography and mastering a discipline as much as i did <laughs> till next time y'all bye well i don't know but the story goes if you never slow down and you never go there's a great big world just waiting to be hope but you're still lying around and the days fly by like a cloudy sky. I'm primarily a freelance photographer. Um, <clears throat> I do do uh, landscape prints, um, but I also do a lot of uh, architectural interior photography, a lot of um, real estate photography. Um, but in my free time, I shoot just about everything and anything. Um, and one thing that I love to do in my free time when I'm not an actual photo job is is to travel and do uh, landscape photography. Tell me about the time when you decided that photography was going to be the main thing that you pursued. When I realized how fulfilled and how much I realized 
I enjoyed it. Uh, I grew up uh, mixing music. I was a audio engineer for a while, and um, the technology uh, of that industry started to really devalue engineers as um, software was becoming more intelligent and everything was going to digital. So <clears throat> I kind of fell out of love with mixing music also, and I discovered photography um, through a friend, and uh, he lent me a camera, an old, you know, digital Canon. I don't even know the model, but it reminded me of, of recording and mixing music. It was just a different sense. And it's a lot more fun because it gets you out into the world. It gets you into new places. It, it, you're active. You're, you're actively doing it. And um, I just love that part. I loved the part about exploring new places and doing your homework on, on locations. And I was able to have all these awesome experiences. And then I could take all those photos home and, and then I can kind of get my, my fill on, on all the editing. And um, it was just the best of both worlds. That's, that's what I really love about it. I can relate with you in the fact that um, I was majoring in computer sciences, and I realized that while I did like being able to um, work on problems um, on my own, uh, mm -hmm. there was I was left wanting because I had limited interaction with um, exploring new areas, getting to talk with people, um, getting to build those relationships. And that's kind of where I changed my focus onto writing. With writing, you have the opportunity to, when you're writing, obviously you're, you're alone for, you know, great right. periods of time while you're creating, writing your work. But you have to live those, you can live those experiences. So you have something to write about. And in living mm -hmm. those experiences, you're introduced to socializing, you're with people. So it's, it was a great balance that I knew fit for me, um, as opposed to computer sciences, which I was just holed up in an office basically you know, eight hours a day, and I was left wanting. So when you were doing audio engineering, um, did you directly move on to photography when you were figuring out that the industry was going in a way um, that was counter, that was left you wanting something else? Or did you have a moment where you kind of were left empty-handed? Definitely there was about two years where there was nothing. It was just... I was empty-handed, and I, I was reading a book at the time, and it talked about how, you know, there's there's layers of interest and passion that will come into your life, and that it's okay when, you know, one passion dies, you sometimes you just have to be patient for a new one to arrive, and no, they did not overlap. I waited, and it, um, it just kind of fell into my lap. And, um, I knew at that time that that was, that was my new passion. And, um, that was maybe six years ago. And, uh, you know, one, one day this, this may not be a passion of mine either. And maybe I'll find, find something else that I'm, I'm really into. And I think it's just a natural cycle of, of evolution, um, as you grow older, well, you know? Yeah, I, I definitely. It's, there's one thing that, that I think is really important. Um, I listened to Tim Ferriss and read a lot of his books. But he took note of our notion of paradise. Like when you go and, you know, you get a job and one day you're going to retire and you get to go and hang out on the beach and that's mm -hmm. it. Like 
no more challenges. Um, however, people who experience that genuinely feel wanting um, or unsatisfied because, you know, challenges is an integral part of life. And I certainly see that with individuals who, like one of my friends, Richie Martinez, he's um, a jiu-jitsu player where he mm-hmm. does martial arts and competes on an uh, international level. And they got really good at dancing. However, they were introduced to jiu-jitsu and it was a new challenge. So, you know, they went through another phase um, pursuing a new discipline, if you will. And I think some right. people will do that often in their life while others may just be on a single track, you know. Um, what was that book that, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to misquote it. I think it's the ways of the superior man. Okay. I'll be sure to put that in the show notes too for everyone. Yeah. It was, uh, yeah, it's a game changer of the book. It's just, um, uh, breaks things down in a layman's terms and just says, you know, whatever you're really inspired by, like, that's what you need to hold close to you all the time and, you know, not to get lost and the mundanity and, and everyday life and just, you know, to find that, like, and to give that gift, whatever it is, whether it's creative or, or if it's, you know, police work or whatever, like that's your, your, your primary source of life. Like just, it's about giving, you know, and, uh, and just to align your life with that. So that's really cool. Um, yeah, it's got a lot of, it's got a lot of cool chapters about, Everything. When it, it's either you know career, um, you know your friendships, your love life, all that good stuff, and it's just it's just a really interesting take on it. And one thing I really took from it was sometimes it's okay to not not have a hobby or something that you're really into. Like it just takes time. But something will come. Something will come, mm-hmm. and you'll you'll know what it is. Mm-hmm. So with photography, looking back at your career as a photographer. Um, what was a few key moments that really propelled you up the learning curve? Um, finding some good tutorials, YouTube. Uh, I swear I have like a multiple degrees just by watching some of these tutorials on YouTube. And mm-hmm. it's what, what really propelled was finding other really good photographers that do, um, uh, videos and, and demos and where they walk you through steps. And it's like, and then realizing when I truly got it, like, so for, for all the digital editing, you can, you can press all these sliders and press all these buttons and move all this stuff around, but then to truly understand what all of that is doing and then, then to really dive into it and customize it to your photos, that really propelled me with, with to feel confident and having that knowledge. Uh, Photoshop is, incredible it's it is the most incredible program that i've ever touched and um uh mastering that has really got me where i need to be um the other was working my ass off and you know buying a good camera body and some good lenses and so i knew my pictures would come out sharp and you know i had a really good foundation you know it's you know it's um there's a big difference when you have like a low level kind of entry camera and then you step up to a professional grade, especially when it comes to like prints. I mean, everything, you can make anything nowadays look good on a computer screen or any kind of digital source. Doesn't matter if you took the photo with a phone or small, you know, camera body, small sensor or whatever, but 
a lot of that stuff, when you start to get into big size prints, will, will show its flaws. And having some, some good gear really propelled me into having the confidence of selling prints and asking for this price, you know, that I feel is so high, but then I realize it looks so darn good when you get it up on a wall, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, were there any aspects of photography um, when you were starting out that were difficult or monotonous that required some level of discipline um, to consistently do? And how did you work through that, and how did that evolve over the course of becoming a better photographer? Well, for the first, like, I don't care if you got a, a an, an eye or not that comes native. Like, if you're getting into anything, you know, we're, there's not many prodigies left in this world, I feel. So you got to just really work hard and, and put in some hours. And the hardest thing was just taking a whole bunch of crappy photos, a whole bunch of really bad photos for a couple of years. And you, you need to humble yourself. Like, you think they're good, or maybe your friend thinks they're good, but your friend's not, you know – somebody who may is is eligible for a proper critique of photography mm-hmm. and then it's just getting through those stages of like you know should i publish this should i not and you know there's a there's a so many photos that i've that i have posted and shared that as i started to get more quality work put out you know going back and and deleting those and taking those out of my portfolio and you just you know you can't give up you're not going to be automatically good at anything, you know, you may get it, you may catch on a little bit quicker, but to become like really well versed in it and to become a professional, it takes a lot of time and a lot of work and you make a lot of mistakes, but you learn from that and uh, it's up to you how, how big your drive is. Um, but yeah, that's, that was probably one of the main, main aspects that was, uh, that would prove challenging at times. It's a strange phenomenon that that seems to occur um, when I speak with people throughout the variety of um, of work that I've done in the past, whether it's in like the hospital industry, the restaurant industry, or mm-hmm. so on and so forth, the individuals there would always have a degree of separateness um, when they would look at artists or, you know, professional athletes, which is like, oh, wow, what they do is very impressive. And mm-hmm they'd remark in some way or another that they're unlike them, right? Um, And it's so interesting because, like, you know, you look at someone who's a really good illustrator or photographer such as yourself, and the only thing that really is removed between you and that person is the amount of time that they've put into learning the thing. And, like, (coughs) short of being a um, prodigy, everyone Mm -hmm. starts out horrible at that given subject and just – over time and through consistency, diligence, um, and awareness, we are all within reach of at least within the top 10% within any given um, field or, or creative pursuit. I agree. I just, you, you, you look at underdog stories, you know, it's the same, same principle. Mm-hmm. And um, what's your favorite kind of photography to shoot? You know, I love street photography. I just don't do it enough. I don't have time. I feel, or I don't make time. I have the time, but I love nothing more than just being like a true observer, stealth in a sea of people in a in a busy, you know, cityscape, and just just capturing moments that are that are interesting. You know, I just love nothing more than just like hanging out on one corner, whether it be like a park bench or some kind of coffee shop with a patio, and just snapping at people and snapping at cars and just just having this one corner 
that has so much life, like, and it kind of just gives you a glimpse of, like, what this whole world has to offer. And it's just super random, you know? Sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes there and the light come together and the subjects come together with the, with the background. And I love street photography, and I just do not do it enough. And um, when it comes after that, it's definitely landscape. It's definitely something that um, is an adventure and a destination and, and, a, and a hike or, or a long drive to get somewhere. And it's this anticipation. Uh, it's like this, uh, it's kind of like opening a gift, you know, you're just waiting mm-hmm. to get to it. Uh, that's very exciting as well. Tell me about your favorite moment um, in landscape photography or the your favorite moment that you've caught, captured as a landscape photographer. Um, That's a great question I would say I was lucky enough to go to um, Iceland and uh, we were there me and my wife were there for um, I think it's about nine days it was a long time and we did the whole the whole continent we went around the whole place and um, the first couple days we were there it was just raining like you couldn't even go out there and shoot you couldn't see um, and one of the most fulfilling moments was seeing that rain finally go away and have a clear sky open up and finally seeing these, these landscapes and these waterfalls and these mountain ranges, um, that I've, that I've, you know, studied about and saw hundreds of photos of. And the most fulfilling moment was just like seeing the rain clear out and it all become visible. And it was like this because we thought it was just going to rain the whole time. The whole trip was going to be a bummer. And oh, wow. uh, so you have like uh, expectation building and excitement building yeah. the whole time. Oh yeah. The same, all of that. But you can also be let down. There's been many times where, you know, things just do not cooperate. And that was the most rewarding because we had did so much research and work and money and, um, you know, planning the logistics and itinerary and all that to get out there. And uh, I think it was it's the most intensely fun place to photograph because it, it feels like you're in another world, honestly. I mean, you've seen how many movies have been filmed there that portray like a, the, the characters on another planet. But seeing, yeah, just seeing the rain clear out and actually, you know, seeing these, these elements become visible was, was one of my top moments. And it was a great trip. We got in some insanely good photos out, out of that trip. How do you organize something like that? Is that like for a, for you as a photographer um, where you're at now? Is that something that you do like as a vacation to be able to explore this area that you've you know um, read about and you've uh, you know looked forward to, or is it you trying to develop your portfolio in a specific way? Like how, how does that look? Um, it's both. Like. I, I'm primarily with my wife and she, she loves photography as well. And she, she loves to plan these trips. I just kind of go along for the ride, honestly. Like it wasn't until this past year where I started, was able to make some, some real income off of all of this. But beforehand it was just like, where, where do we want to go? Like, where do we want to go to vacation? But we're both, you know, very adventurous and we both love to hike and we both love, you know, to shoot landscape. 
And uh, you can kind of tie it in together, you know? Like, I, it would not be as fun if I was just out there by myself. Like, it's great to, to share that experience with somebody. And sometimes I don't even want to know where we're going because you can – if I know if I know where I'm going, right, if we're going to this particular waterfall or this canyon or whatever today, I'm going to go Google that. I'm going to go see hundreds of images from other really, 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 really good photographers. And mm. it's going gonna, it's gonna to mess with me. It's going to say, you know, I have to capture that same photo. Like this one is the best one. This one is the top result or this one got the most, you know, um, yeah. traffic. And then I don't want to mm. let myself down. I want to just go mm. there with, with fresh eyes with an open mind and I'll see what I come up with. Yeah. You could be obsessed with this, uh, with being too future orientated, which would just spoil mm-hmm. the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just go along for the ride, man. There's a, uh, I'm, and I do plan stuff. Like I'll do day trips and, you know, I'll plan like when there's a, a new moon and, you know, do, do some astrophotography or something like that. But for these, for these larger, bigger ones, that's, that's all my wife because she loves to do that. She'll, you know, build out the itinerary, like day one, we're doing this, day two, we're doing this with the pictures, with the times. So we're only allowed 45 minutes at this spot because we have to drive half hour to this spot before, you know, the sun goes down. So I don't have the patience to do that kind of stuff. You know, I'm very fortunate to have someone help me out with that. Was that a very intentional um, system that you developed or did that just organically take place? It, it, Organically, I think so. It organically took place. Okay. Uh, I think even if we weren't going to bring the cameras and we weren't going to, you know, set set aside some time to go shooting, you know, we, she would be doing the same thing and I would be doing the same thing. I'm just, you know, along for the ride. I just happen to have have a camera with me when I do it. And you know, there's been times where we we I you know maybe more me than her for sure where. You know, I leave the camera behind. Like, maybe we're going to go on this one hike. Or we're going to go check out this one spot. And I'm not going to take photos. I'm just going to enjoy enjoy this time with her and with, with this, you know, um, beautiful scenery. And that's something you, you also, you know, you, you, can't, you can't forget just to, to live and to, to truly vacation and not worry about anything, you know? Yeah. And has that... Is that mentality of yours? So if uh, sometimes, you know, you, you should just be in the moment and, you know, live and enjoy vacation for vacation. Has that mm-hmm. been a conclusion that you've arrived to now, six years into photography? Or is that something that you've always kind of had in the back of your mind throughout photography? Yeah, you get, you get lost in the techni- technicality of it. You get lost through the lens and looking at all the numbers and, you know, nailing down your exposures. And, you know, one thing that, that I've learned is to get the camera on a tripod and leave it on there once you, you know, get your composition right, because it's it's not in your hand. It's not in front of your face all the time. And you can kind of just leave that be and stand there as you would normally and, and, and watch this view or watch, watch this sunrise or sunset. Uh, when you're constantly shooting like detail shots or it's, it's, it's always in your hand, you're always truly kind of, you know, disconnected from the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's all, you know, that's what all I feel like all of, uh, humanity deals with right now is, is just being in the moment and being in content. Like you said, we're always wanting more, craving more times. And, uh, it's a constant battle to, to remind myself that everything's perfect. Everything's fine. Even if I don't have a camera, 
this is, a, you know, I'm taking something away, you know, from this moment that I'm going to live with forever, you know? Yeah. I understand that. And in the sense that being a writer, it's like, you know, every moment is an opportunity for me to create a narrative. Um, however, like, I have to just learn to exist in the moment at other times as well. Because if I get mm -hmm. anxious because I'm not able to, you know, create a narrative or tell a story at this perfect moment, that would be, mm -hmm. you know, so ideal for writing that I get anxiety. It's like, well, yeah. what have I become in the sense? Is it, am I actually going down the road for the better? And, um, however, having the, um, putting in that hard work and all that time, like, you know, you said before that that's the other side of the curve is, is like, mm -hmm. am I, you know, am I taking advantage or using my moments to its fullest extent so that I, I can be, be good as opposed to marginal. But then I wrestle with as a person, like, you know, why, why would I want to, why is it so important for me to become like excellent at this skill? Um, would I be satisfied if I was just marginal? Because, you know, I, you don't change regardless of your mastery over something, you're still you, you know what I mean? Like, it's just something that I kind of go back and forth with because sometimes there's there's some inherent sacrifice, I would argue, um, to achieve mastery. Like like you said with the vacations, like I used to, my vacations used to always be about um, the time that I spent with my son, right? Um, mm -hmm. Or my friends, perhaps, or by myself. But now... It's also through the lens of, of writing. So I'll pick a place that is really exciting for me, and I'm going to spend maybe a quarter of the time focused on writing and then three quarters, you know, hanging out with my son or the people around me. Um, and there's some sacrifice in there for mastery. However, uh, it's just finding that balance from what I've found anyways. Yeah, it's a big, big balance in acting. Uh, whether you're, a, you know, a believer of uh – astrology or not but i'm a libra by by birth and it's all about a balance and act in my life so i need things to to to, to be equal you know and, and equal time spent so it's i'm always conscious of it but um uh, you know i i have to remind myself to be unselfish you know and i'm i'm here with some you know someone or and uh, i just gotta make sure i spend time equally yeah um, when you were talking about your favorite kind of photography, being street photography and being able to just kind of observe in the moment and um, watch just for the spontaneous thing to come up that, you know, you get excited to capture. I really relate with that. Um, once again, being a writer, uh, I love sitting at like a street corner and being able to take in all of the chatter and the commotion, mm -hmm. the hustle and bustle and figuring out what kind of story it strikes in me and how I can paint an image for the reader. Um, it's really cool to see that someone who, who's using a visual medium, though, uh, shares exactly that. And even in my experiences landscape, um, I do a lot of ultra running and rock climbing. And with, mm -hmm. by nature of that, it gives me these experiences out in, you know, the um, wild country and to write about. And that's like the thing that I look forward to most. You put it in such beautiful words, like a surprise, like a gift is it that you unwrap at the end, you know, like yeah. when I'm climbing to the top of this mountain, there's so much like curiosity um, of what it's going to be like when I get to the top. And I'm always left surprised. And I get to savor that moment when I go back to, to writing, um, you know, in, in my off season uh, about the beautiful views, 
uh, the smell of the air, the sound of the birds, just mm-hmm. as you would, I would imagine, from the landscapes that you capture. You know, that, that's such yeah, a cool um, thing to be able to relive it. You got to take it with you. And I, I think about it every day. I think about the places that I've gone and some of the things that I've seen or experienced. And uh, it's not just about capturing a, a photo or a story and posting it, like, but that's that's awesome in itself. But it's it, it changes you, and you got to remind yourself every day of, of of those little details. And yeah, how the temperature was, or what you were wearing that day, and how you were feeling, or what did you eat, and you know, it it, it anchors you to those moments a lot more heavily. And um, if I'm doing a really mundane task like hanging out at the, you know, car repair, you know, auto mechanic shop, you know, and, you know, the waiting room sucks and it smells and everybody's miserable in there because they're about to spend 500 bucks. But I bring myself back to those moments at times and it, it brings me happiness. It'll bring me happiness for the rest of my life. It's very important. Um, what was one of your most cherished or favorite times of doing street photography? Um, seeing things with new eyes. So I grew up in South Florida in the uh, Fort Lauderdale, Miami area. And I live in Asheville now, but yeah, I don't know if you have just grown up in one spot your whole life for like, you know, 25, 30 years. You know where everything is, you know, every street, you know, every building, you know, you know, every road. But when I got a camera now and I got to, you know, to, I got to see my city with with a new set of eyes, and street photography was was aligned with that, and uh, that was that was very fulfilling and very rewarding um, to kind of just experience and have mo- also a, a deeper appreciation for where I had grew up at, and and the city, and you know the beaches and the people, because I was able to, to you know to kind of capture it artistically and creatively where I wasn't beforehand i was just existing and just living and you know trying to get through the the mass you know amounts of people and traffic and you know i didn't like the city i didn't i didn't enjoy it whenever i go back to visit got you know family and friends down there i always have my camera and i just love just to walk around even if it's like my old neighborhood and i guess that's why i love street photography it's just you don't have to be in some you don't have to spend all this money traveling or, or all this time, you know, going somewhere, you can just, you can just go anywhere. You don't even have to be in a big city. It can be, you know, main street of, of any town USA. You're bound to find something interesting if you just hang out there long enough. Mm-hmm. That's fascinating. There's um the thing with human perspective where we look at everything, not for what they are, but for how we can use them uh, as tools, right? You see a car, mm-hmm. And instead of looking at it and you're like, okay, there's there's metal, there's rubber, um, it creates explosions, it moves the pistons, the pistons then, you know, so on and so forth. Um, we see a car as and this is the thing that I can drive and it takes me from point A to point B. Most people um, know a car in that way. They have no idea how it works mechanically. Um, and that's very telling, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas you walking down the street and if you don't have a camera, if you don't shoot photography, you don't write, there's, you're just literally walking from point A to point B. The whole entire way, your, your perspective and attention 
is focused on getting to point B. And yeah. with with that, there's been there's been very many studies done um, based on uh, eyewitness accounts, right, for for crimes where if people try to recall the details, they can't really recall them accurately at all, and they miss very very key details. Which once again, going back to how we see objects as tools, um, is very telling of our focus and attention. So. If your only task when moving through your, your city or your town um, is to get to point B, I would imagine that you would miss so much of the beautiful nuances that lie in between point A and point B because none of them are tools and none of them are relevant to you getting to that point B, you know? Um Unless the snake jumps out at you. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. You got to stay in the moment somehow, and it's... It, and that's the way to do it, whether you're, you're trying to gather info and inspiration to tell the story or just to capture it. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, life, life would well, – and I've lived that way for many, many years of my life where I was never – I was always just focused on what was ahead of me or behind me. And then I, I, I really haven't connected at all until recently. And, you know, speaking with you of how truly in the moment it puts you and – my attention there is here now. It's right now. I'm I'm looking. I'm using my my eyes, but I'm seeing, you know, p- you know, p- potential stories to tell with, with with my camera. It's a great time. It's a it's a great time. Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful thing, you know. Um, yeah. As as a photographer, you said within the past year now you started to be able to make um, increasing amounts of uh, money off of your photography. So, mm-hmm. as a professional photographer, what is what does your ideal scenario look like in the future? Like what kind of lifestyle are you working towards? The lifestyle, if it was a perfect world, it wouldn't, I would just be able to just sell prints, you know, online, get them shipped out, get, you know, be able to have my work be published maybe in magazines, um, for whatever ad work or, you know, any kind of um, background that they may need for, for uh, an ad campaign or, or what have you. Um, there's a whole, but there's, there's, there's the grind of a lot of photographers of just shooting for hire. So there's a lot of times when I'm hired to do like Airbnbs um, where we need to showcase a property and it's fun and you know you're, you're you're doing what you love, but it's it can be stressful. There's a lot of time constraints. There's a lot of pressure to make this property look really good. And um, I don't enjoy that photography that much. And it kind of feels like I'm just using it as a tool, you know, to get an income. So in my in my perfect world, in my you know master goal or master plan, it's just to be able to do the kind of photography that I really am passionate about. And be able to share that and have people, you know, believe that this picture is this beautiful that they would, they would purchase it to, you know, to put it into their office or, or their business or, uh, their home. And, uh, that would be, that would be heaven for me. What is your connection with travel? Would you, um, prefer to be traveling often or sometimes? I go by. I would, I, I would say, you know, only, 25 to 50% max of the time, but I'm not, I don't want to be the guy who's, who's away from home for three months and he's backpacking. 
and going crazy and, you know, getting sick and, um, worn out and my, my gear is, is getting, you know, um, uh, really worn out and tired because I'm, I'm, I'm shooting every day, 10 hours. I would just like to just have one little nice epic trip, maybe for like a week here, you know, two weeks max and be able to come back home for a few months and get back into my, my normal daily routine and be able to just to edit all the photos from that one trip. Uh, I think uh, that would be the balance for me. Yeah. I find it uh, fascinating how people um, feel about that and where their balance lies, because I go back mm-hmm. and forth with it my own self between wanting to just say, uh, screw it. I'm going to travel all year round. And then the other part of me was like, oh, I'll just travel sometimes. But, uh, as I talked to you about before the podcast is that I'm preparing to go to Thailand, um, this summer. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to use that kind of as, as feedback to where I go. But I, I have a six year old son. So for yeah. now, my traveling will be probably in the 25 percentile range. But as he gets mm-hmm. older, I'm going to probably ramp it up slowly. Um, I had a, guy named Scott Rockus on the podcast uh, in like September-ish and he's an adventure or sports photographer. He does a lot of like landscape. Um, he photographs like ultra marathons, uh, Red Bull, mm-hmm. uh, mountain bike competitions. Um, and that's where he went back and forth because he was riding around. He got his own uh, van and just started traveling and doing freelance based on that. And he wanted to be an expedition photographer uh, for like National Geographic. That and those guys are so hardcore, man. Like <laughs> they, the images they come back with are incredible and they're epic. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's the top tier of photography. But this, but the conditions that those guys go through to tell those stories, I mean, that's almost not if not more, but just as fascinating as the image itself. Like where what what they had to go through to get that image. It's, it's insane. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's usually sometimes I'd argue even more insane than the, the thing that they're capturing at times. But, um, and that's kind of what he went back and forth with though, is, is like, if I'm going to do expedition photography, um, at this point, cause he's like three years into traveling in his van and doing uh, freelance photography, becoming rather successful with it. Um, but if he went and did expedition photography, that would be, way more of a commitment to where like having the family would be nil um, yeah. because being away for so long and he wouldn't, that would be his 100% commitment. And like that, that kind of blew me away to watch someone, you know, wrestle with that. However, um, just being a sports photographer alone from my own outside perspective, you know, going to these events throughout the, across the country and um, capturing like, you know, 200 mile ultra runs and stuff like that. Like that, that is epic too. It's just wild that like, you know, we all wrestle with what kind of lifestyle will ultimately fulfill us. And what I admire about you and Scott and a variety of other people that I've met is that you guys are wrestling with fulfillment despite inherent risks, putting yourself out there and trying to master something. And doing things that, that seem almost, um, what is it, magical to people, you know? Like, cause a good amount of us go into work, you know, for like an eight hour shift and then come home and then weekend warrior it. But once you make that transition, I mean, yeah. specifically for, from my perspective, once you make that transition to, you know, pursuing art and maybe like with Scott, he's doing, I think, 
he does an 18 hour shoot straight and do for like ultra marathons, right? Or you go into Iceland, right? Like those yeah. things are, are insane. That's memories that you get to live with you for a very, very long time. Um, but yeah, man, that's cool. There's, there's different levels to, you know, and it's like any art or, um, uh, you know, creative outlet. It's, you know, there's some, there's some complete extremists who are just like nomads and then, yeah, you're weakened warriors and everything in between. Um, and you can make, make a living at it anywhere you want in, in that realm or in that scope. Um, or you can have a part-time job that's, that's, you know, guaranteed income. And I did that for years. I was just, you know, work, working bars and, and, uh, was able to have flexibility when I came to my schedule, you know, and, you know, it was guaranteed money. And, um, and then it didn't put that much pressure on a photography to, uh, pay the bills. And, um, I think it would be incredible to just be like, yeah, living out of a van traveling, you know, whatever continent shooting all day. But, you know, I, I admire that, but I don't think I would be comfortable doing that because I want to mm-hmm. sleep in my own bed. <laughs> yep. And I want to sleep and I want to hot shower and, you know, um, I want to go to my favorite coffee shop on, on Monday or whatever. So I'm, I'm able to find that balance here and, uh, I'm glad he's in, you know, he's able to find that balance on the, on the opposite, uh, spectrum there. Mm-hmm. And it's cool to see that there's like, it's more of an apples to oranges comparison as mm-hmm. opposed to, you know, a, a Granny Smith apple to a Gala apple at the green and the red, right? right? Um, in the sense that like there's different fundamental components of life that fulfills you. And then because compared to like Scott or compared to, you know, myself, however, we all relate also in our own ways, specifically trying to tell stories. Um, yeah. And so what does, what are some key elements of a good landscape photograph for you and Mm -hmm. a good street photograph for you? Um, at the end of the day, they both got to tell a story and you don't need a caption or you don't need a summary. You don't need a paragraph. Sometimes just a picture alone is, is enough. It should be enough. Always put it that way. You don't. Always, you know, when you see like a nature, you know, photograph, that's just like added sprinkle bonus material when the photographer actually will give you a little insight behind that photo. But I've always wanted to take photos that were so interesting and engaging that I didn't need a caption, that the photo would do that, you know, for me. So I think that's one. There needs to be a story that's being told for sure. Um, There needs to be contrast. There needs to be dark there needs to be white there needs to be the the light has to also play a fundamental role in this photograph and um you can't you can't just shoot flat images they don't necessarily work uh for, for the level that the bar is set to nowadays you know you really have to have some kind of dramatic lighting and um it could be you know just the, the subjects that are also playing into that you know dr- dramatic scene um you need to invoke the the viewer. You need them to want to look at that image for maybe a minute, maybe 30 seconds. But in the world of just us scrolling through a phone or flipping through a magazine, sometimes we just look at a picture for a couple seconds. Like you want someone to spend some time analyzing it, looking at the details, um, you know, looking at the colors or looking at the composition if it's a black and white photograph. Um, those are all important 
um, factors, I would say, um, is just uh, telling a story and playing with the light and having contrast. And um, also, like, an added, added, you know, level of that is, like, would this photograph be, you know, so good that somebody would want to, like, hang this up and look at it every day of their life? You know, and that's that's what I strive for. I want to make a photo that unique and that that interesting that that somebody would choose to hang that up somewhere and look at it every day. Mm-hmm. What are some books that you recommend for aspiring creatives and uh, photographers? Um, you know what? I haven't really read too many photography books. I've got a lot of magazine subscriptions, whether it's like outdoor photographer or I think there's the landscape photographer. Um, I just, I follow a lot of really genuinely gifted, you know, photographers, whether it be their feeds or some of their, uh, YouTube kind of vlogs. I mean, that's, that's where I would say I get 99% of my, um, uh, knowledge from, you know, or inspiration from. And who are like the top? Yeah, there's a ton yeah. of good books out there, and one of the only ones I really own that sits on my coffee table, or at least the one one of the ones that I've bought, is Ansel Adams and some of his photographs from all of the national parks in the U.S. And it's a fascinating hardcover book, and it's truly timeless. His black and white photography, and some of the most nowadays wild, you know, it's these scenes that he has captured. Thousands of other photographers have also captured these scenes, but the way he shows them and the way he captured them is is and is awesome. It's in, it's incredibly timeless, and that's that's one book that I um that I definitely keep on my coffee table. Okay, I'll be sure to check that one out, and I'll leave that mm-hmm. for everybody else in the show notes too. Um, mm-hmm. and where can people find your work? Um, you can go. My website, it's just my name, uh, neilmcclure.com. You can find me in all the social sites just through my name. And, um, yeah, I try to to post at least, you know, one new photograph a week. I'm not one of those guys that, you know, has that kind of inventory to post every day. But I, I always try and stay active. I also have a Tumblr site where I get a lot of, um, up-and-coming photographers asking, you know, uh, tips or how-tos or just questions about photography in general, and I like to always respond to those. So that my, my Tumblr is pretty active with um, uh, students of photography as well. Okay, cool. Sweet. So I'll be sure to um, drop all those links in the show notes, too. Um, and then if you could at some point, Neil... Yeah, send me over a photo that you'd like me to use just to, as a cover photo for this episode. And then, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, this is a great talk. I'm, uh, I'm interested, um, in, you know, hearing how this comes up and comes out. And, uh, I really enjoyed, enjoyed my time with you on this, on this, uh, episode here. Yeah, absolutely, Neil. And I really enjoyed my time with you as well, man. It's great being able to meet fellow creatives and to, share those kind of like origin stories and how you how you figure it out out throughout your life because like the the biggest thing that like just kind of like off the podcast but that i i've either struggled with or it's just come to my attention is 
throughout like working in the warehouse, the restaurant industry, um, and the hospital industry, so on and so forth, I would meet a lot of people who would be like, you know, that old Thoreau quote, leading, uh, uh, what is it? They're all leading lives of like quiet desperation. Not everybody, but a majority of people that I would encounter where they would wish that they, you know, might have wrote that book or gotten to photography. And it's, oh, like, yeah. What I've always been fascinated by that. What prevents someone from, you know, um, doing those things that they really like? And for me, anyways, just from my own perspective, because that's all that I truly know, right? Is is my perspective and the stories that I've heard from, you know, fellow creatives or people that I've worked with, is that I just didn't understand what the process is like. You know, when you would see someone who is like Ansel Adams, for instance, or um, Somebody who's like Tim Ferriss is an entrepreneur, right? You, you see them from at the end or at the peak of what oh, they're yeah. doing. And that's very disconnected from what it looks like when you go out and start. So if I were to start my business and I'm like, wow, I'm not successful like Tim Ferriss, or I go out and shoot some photos today, and I'm like, wow, oh, that looks like shit. Huh? No, nah, I'm not cut out for this. It's like, well, that's, yeah, it's not how the process generally is. It's just showing up, being consistent, and finding things that really excite you. It takes years, years and years, and it's a combination of, you know, what what you're, what the energy you're putting out there and what you're attracting and persistence, and sometimes it's just luck. It's just something that cannot be described where things come together, but the basis of it all is you just got to do it, and you've got to do it for a long time and just not be discouraged and Take some small risks. No one's telling you to go spend, you know, take a loan out and max out your credit cards. But, you know, there's there's a lot of small risks that are involved. And at the end of it, really, the worst thing that can happen is that you spent some time on it. And maybe you could say that you wasted time on this, but you're going to gain, the you know, the experience out of it one way or another, whether it's a failure or not. And uh, it's... It's watching TV and showing up to a job that you really don't give a you know shit about. So yeah, exactly. I mean that's that's the thing that that I've had the issue with was when I would show up to those jobs. Um, remarkably so, I wanted to pull my teeth out. I would be like, I felt like I was lazy because I'd always like clock watch on all the jobs that I did, and okay. I it, it's just it, it didn't fit in all the jobs that I did. I wasn't going from job to job because I'm like, well maybe I'll like this one. I've known in my heart. Ever since I started working when I was like 13 or 14, that um, I hate this shit and I would rather be doing something else. And, you know, I have my own business uh, where I have a CBD lotion and then I'm mm-hmm. working on releasing my first kids kids book. And doing those things, though, are, they're exciting to me. It's thrilling. And I realized that, like, I stay up till 2 in the morning with barely any sleep trying to achieve those things. And I'm not lazy. It's just the context I was in. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you completely. But if you ever find yourself up in the Pacific Northwest, man, feel free to give me uh, a shout-out, and I'd love to take you on some hikes and stuff. What, what town or city do you live? Like, what's, where are you at? Uh, I'm over in uh, Cedro Woolley, Washington, just an hour north of um, Seattle, and right on Highway 20 to where you get, like, the North Cascades. Uh, and, the, dude, it's so beautiful up there, man. I'll have to send you yeah, some I haven't visited up there. I mean, I think we're we're trying to get out there for for a little short trip. I mean, mm-hmm. it's funny. Like we live in Asheville, and it's so beautiful here. And you know, 
you, you always start to think the grass is maybe greener. And we were looking into, you know, the Washington, uh, Oregon area. And there's just so many people that are like leaving those areas to come here now. And I'm like, no, we're, we're yep. staying. We, we can just visit there. We don't need to live there. You know, so I, I do need to get out to the store. And I really relate with that grass. So it's greener thing. Cause like that had been, when I was talking about the mastery thing earlier, um, some people get the, the notion that, like, if I get really good at X or if I make this much money, then all of my psychology will change. And it's like, I don't think so. And if it does, that's just, you know, happenstance or coincidence in some fashion. Because, mm-hmm. like, you're still you. And I've fallen into that trap a few times. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you'd like to check out some of Neil's beautiful photography, you can head over to neilmcclure.com or find him on Instagram at neilmcclure. You can also find all those links in the show notes as long as some of the books that were mentioned in the podcast. Wow. Neil has pushed me further into pursuing my own art and just taking more risks even though they're perceived risks, I mean, what's the worst case, what's the worst that you got to lose, right? If you try to be a photographer or a writer and it doesn't pan out immediately, then you can go back to doing what you've always done, fall back on your skills while you regroup and re-strategize. I mean, we've only got one life, y'all, so it's like, what do you, what else you got? If you'd like to support the podcast, you can head over to becominghumanpodcast.com, pick up some swag. Or go to iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, wherever you happen to listen to this shit and rate, review, and share it with a friend. Thank you guys so much for listening. Next week, we're going to get into some of that strength and conditioning with my pal Sam Escobar, right? He does not sell cocaine, but he lifts fucking kettlebells. He is jacked. Mm-hmm. And he teaches me a little bit about his lifting protocol, some do's and don'ts of lifting heavy with the bells and more. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. Bye.